Thank you. It's good to be here this morning. I wish you were with us, but we're we're together in the spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, thank you for the worship team and for everybody making this possible. We just want to acknowledge, uh, Lord, and, and be thankful for what you what only you can do, and the grace you have put in our hearts to do the things to to co-labor with you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for every person. And thank you for every person who's going to hear this. And I just ask you, Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, come down on us and rest on us. Uh, just, uh, and begin to speak to our hearts and to our minds and begin to work in us in a new way, in a beautiful way, a perfect way, Lord. Lord, I ask you all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to read a scripture to you. Uh, this morning, uh, beginning at Second Corinthians uh, chapter four, verse eighteen, uh, <clears throat> it says, "So we don't look at the troubles we can now see; rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever." Wow. That's one of the milestone scriptures in my life right here. Many years ago, I was in a personal, uh, personal valley, a, a real dry time, a real disappointing time in my life, a uh, time I felt like a lot of failure. Uh, and, and one day, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me uh, about not losing heart and not giving up. And I was asking, well, how am I going to do this? And this is the scripture he gave me, which at the time seemed kind of incredulous to me because uh, he was asking me to do something I really can't do is to see something I can't see. Uh, and that's really what the Christian life's all about. Uh, it's not typically or normally hard to do be a Christian. It's impossible really to live the life that God's called us to live. But thank God he's given us the Holy Spirit and given us an anointing to be able to do this very thing. And so I began a, a journey many years ago into this whole realm of being able to, to see the invisible. And it's been a rewarding journey and it's been a, tr- a challenging journey. There's times when I feel very connected to, to the invisible spiritual realm and there's times when I feel feel quietness and you know it's disturbing to me uh but you know it's it's really the way God's called us all to live and it's very practical it's not just seeing things and having visions and having dreams and and, and visitations all those are wonderful but this is a, this practical practically applies to our life and I remember when I first really got really uh engaged in this I knew that there would come a time in my life or at least in my children's or grandchildren's life where this wouldn't be an option this would be a necessary thing to be able to navigate the world we live in so I can see that increasing even in, in this day. So I believe God wants to give an impartation to people, give us a, a hunger and a desire to go beyond what we're seeing and hearing in the natural, to begin to see something different, to begin to see from God's perspective. And it's a beautiful thing. That word, it says, we look there, the, it actually means this. It means to take aim at, to fix mind upon, direct attention towards, and so that's what uh, Paul was saying. We don't direct our attention. We don't fix our mind. We don't look at 
what's the troubles in this world. If we fix ourselves there, he doesn't say we ignore them, we, we, don't, we pretend they're not there, we don't stick our head in the ground. He's obviously not saying that, but he's, not, he's saying we don't fix ourselves there. We don't, we don't allow that to be our focus of life. And then it, it says we fix our gaze, which is the same word we look at, something invisible. We fix our mind there. We begin to focus there. So we're given an amazing opportunity as, as, as human beings to be able to begin to see life, begin to see ourselves, begin to see others, begin to see what's going on around us the way God sees it. It's an invitation. It's one of the great uh, benefits, if you could call it a benefit. It's, it's, it's really, benefit is a very... Uh, it's not a good word for it. it. It doesn't really communicate how blessed God has, a blessing that he's given us and how generous he's been to us to allow us to connect and be able to see what he sees, hear what he hears, even connect into the very emotions and feelings of God. That he's given us that and he earnestly wants us to, be, to engage in that. So if we don't... Uh, if we really don't be to begin to do that, you know, we're going to miss out in a lot of ways. We're going to, we're, we really are going to miss out. And I hate that thought as a believer because I feel so included and we all are included. But, you know, God can be working right in front of you. He can be speaking loudly to you and you completely miss it because you're, you're not engaged. You're not in tune your mind is fixed somewhere else. Your mind is being, being sucked into something that it shouldn't be sucked into. And so God really wants to encourage us, I believe. One thing that I've learned is there's really, there's power. There's power, as we, as we have taught for years, as most believers know, there's power in our words. We all know that. You know that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's, it's such a lie. We all know how words can be so destructive, especially from people who have influence and authority. Even people who are just friends can just demolish our day with their words and the way they, they treat us. And so we know that words have power, but I'll tell you what I've discovered and what the Bible is clear in the Bible. What we see and what we hear has great influence and great power over our lives. It really does. It has great influence. So it's just like words. It can affect you mightily, mightily. And it can affect you gloriously or it can affect you negatively. So I, I want to tell you, I, one of the things that I feel strong in the spirit right now is that God the Father is inviting us to tune in, to tune in. And begin to hear him. And begin to hear his heart. And begin to see what he sees. And hear what he hears. A couple of practical things that have helped me over the years. About this is. Uh, you know. You're, if you allow the troubles of this world. To live. Rent free in your mind. You will not be able to connect. With what the Holy Spirit's doing. What God is saying. I'm, I promise you. You will not. And I'm telling you, it lives rent-free in a lot of people's minds. I mean, they're just consumed with these things. If you allow that, you won't. Another thing that I've learned the hard way uh, on this is, is you're not going to be able to connect with God and see what he sees if you are committed to your opinion. If you are committed to your opinion. Think about this. What if Peter, the day he was sitting on that rooftop in Acts Acts chapter 9 and 10 where God gave him this vision of these sheets 
uh, Lord from heaven, and, and God said, don't call anything unclean. And then those men came and said, come to Cornelius' house. What if Peter would have been so committed to his opinion, like, no, I will never go with you because you're Gentiles. What if he would have done that? Or what if the Apostle Paul, who was on a mission to kill Christians, in, in prison, uh, uh, Christians when God struck him, and spoke to him. What if he had said, I can't, this is not God, this is the devil. You know, God will never be for these Christian people. Or, or here, what about a, a Jeremiah the prophet? Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 1, the Lord began to talk to him about his calling to speak and be a prophet. And he said, oh God, I can't speak, I'm just a youth. I'm just a youth. What if he would not done, became that prophet that, that spoke so many wonderful things? So you see... It's just pride when we are so committed to our opinion about things. We have to be willing to change our opinion about things. I, my opinion has gotten away so many times between me and what God wanted to do in my life or between me and what God wanted to show me because I had a strong opinion. I had a bias, and I had this, this feelings and thoughts about it that I just refused, and it was like the Holy Spirit had to work on me. So I want to encourage you uh, today on those two things. I want to read another verse here to you. Um, it's called, uh, it's in Ezekiel. Uh, you know, Ezekiel was a very, uh, a, he was also a, a mighty prophet in the Old Testament. And he, uh, he was very visionary. He saw things. And he had some very, very powerful visions. Uh, Ezekiel 1.3 says this, The Lord gave this message to Ezekiel, son of Buzzy, a priest. His dad was a priest. Beside the, the Kabar River in the land of the Babylonians. And he felt the hand of the Lord take hold of him. So Ezekiel was actually one of the, the uh, Hebrews that was taken away captive when Jerusalem was overran and defeated by the, the, the Babylonian Empire. And so he actually was moved from Jerusalem, and he was living in Babylonia. He was, and there he was. He was a captive. There he was. We had been relocated, and was living in this foreign land. So he was. They were. This was a very terrible time for the Hebrew people. They had lost everything. They had lost their great heritage. They had lost the temple that David and Solomon had built. All that was destroyed. Jerusalem was, was, was overrun. And there, there he was in this troubled time. And it's, it said the hand of the Lord got a hold of him. That's, I love that. The hand of the Lord took hold of him. But his name, I believe, is very prophetic. His name, actually, the name Ezekiel, means God will strengthen. God will strengthen. So even his very name was, was speaking something to the people of, the, of that time, those people who found themselves in that such discouraging, terrible time. Here's another interesting thing. His dad's name, Buzzy, actually means disrespect, shame, and contempt. Now think about it this way. Here he was. Here's Ezekiel. The son of shame, the son of contempt. Here he was. Now I'm telling you that speaks. That speaks loudly. And here's what. Here's one of the things I wanted to say. I think there's a lot of believers out there who's who's gone through something. Maybe it was before they became a believer. Maybe it was after they became a believer. Maybe they did something. Maybe they did something that, that brought shame. Maybe they messed up really bad. Okay, and that's really what God's trying to, really wanting to show us right now is it doesn't matter. No matter what you've done, your past can't be the thing that dictates your future. 
And so I want to really want to encourage you today, even if you get nothing else out of this message, is hear this. Ezekiel is one of the most mighty prophets in the, old, in the whole of, of the Old Testament. And he came from shame. He came from discontent. He came from disrespect. And so if you're a person who's actually, maybe you did it, maybe somebody did something to you that's caused you to live in shame, or maybe you was really disrespected and it's really hurt you and wounded you, in some ways it's disqualified you, you know, what God wants to do today, he wants to restore people. He wants to restore our self-image. He wants to restore us to really see that those things can't hold us if we, the only way they can hold us if we allow them to hold us. So I want to really want to encourage you today when you begin to think about this, God's heart is always to strengthen. It's never to take, even when we feel like we're being torn down, it's always to build us up. The Bible says God takes away to establish. If you feel like you've lost something, okay, whether it's on a personal level, financial level, spiritual level, you, listen, God wants to establish you. God wants to strengthen you. He wants to take that and build something for you for a future and a hope. So that's, that's really one of the beautiful things about that. And, and um, <clears throat> I wanted to read, I want you to turn over to Ezekiel 37. Now that, in Ezekiel 1, he had this really fabulous vision. Uh, but I don't want to talk about that vision. I want to talk about this one. Uh, and this is a very, probably one of the most famous visions in the Bible. Uh, it's called the vision of the valley of the dry bones. I think everybody, if you've been a believer for very long, you've heard this story. It's an amazing story. The reason I wanted to talk to you about it is right, uh, right before all this stuff started happening in our country, God began to speak to me th through Ezekiel 37. And, you know, I, I wasn't really at first sort of getting it. It sort of started coming at me in all these different ways. Uh, but I just kind of have really felt to really set on it and let it develop in my heart more. So I, there's a few things in here I wanted to, to share with you uh, out of this amazing vision that I think God really wants to, to say to us. Uh, today and I think God really wants is, is really speaking this I know he's been speaking it to me and and so I want to read this it says the Lord look, here it is again the Lord took hold of me the Lord took hold of me so that's the, the first thing the Holy Spirit uh, came on him and began to give him revelation about something that was going on and began to create a hope in him f for Israel because this was you know, what he's talking about is for, for his time was for the nation of Israel. That at that time was a destroyed and defeated nation. And God began to get, speak to him and give him a revelation and a vision for, for the future of restoration and of hope. And so here's the thing. Here's the question. What is influencing your thinking right now? Is, is it the Holy Spirit influencing your thinking? Is it the Holy Spirit giving you a thought for tomorrow, this is really key for us. We need, we need a, there's too much other influences out there now that's fighting for you, that's trying to get into your mind. And what God wants to do, just like he did with uh, Ezekiel in his own way, in your personal way, is he wants to take hold of you. I believe most of us would really love for the Holy Spirit to take hold of us. Oh, Holy Spirit, take hold of me today. Get a hold of me. Get a hold of me, Holy Spirit. We, that's an invitation 
that I believe God wants to do. And he wants to really ask you the question. You know, I know, I know people have been afraid. You know, I know people have felt isolated. I know people have felt rejected. All of that stuff. Can we continue to allow that to influence our thinking? That's the thing. We need to begin to reject that and begin to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to bring influence. See, I think God, like I said, God the Father wants us to tune into Him. He wants us to begin that the greatest influence in our life right now is the Holy Spirit, that He's beginning to influence the way we think. And we're not listening to all this stuff that's being thrown at us. We're listening to what He's saying and being able to discern that and sort through that. And the, it says... Uh, I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley. Now, it's interesting about valleys. Most of the time, valleys in the Bible are not really positive places, right? Like, like this valley is a valley of dry bones. I think most of us are familiar with the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23. The va- that's another valley. There's a valley called Baca, the valley of weeping. Uh, there's one called the Valley of Sora, which is the Valley of Temptation and Defeat. Temptation and Defeat. The Valley of Another one is the Valley of Rephaim, the Valley of Giants. When you just feel like you are you're overcome, your problems that are so big you can't. They're going to overcome you. That's the Valley of Rephaim. Another one is the Valley of Achor. Is the Valley of Trouble. And there's one called the Valley of Minium, which is the Valley of Idolatry. It's when we allow other things to become more important and we can become more passionate about other things, more passionate about the Lord. So you see all these valleys that are in the Bible to speak to us and to reveal something to show us where we're at. And, there, and I feel that there's so many believers in our time that have become dried out. They've become dried-out Christians. They no longer have the vitality. That's what he said, the, the condition. He says, the bones were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out, completely dried out. They didn't have any vitality in them. They didn't have any life in them. They didn't have the Spirit of God. And, we've, and over the past few years, we have begun to see that happen in the body of Christ. We have begun to see a disconnection in the body of Christ, where people begin to disconnect themselves. Some people, it was just more of a disconnect with God himself, their relationship with him. On the outside, they were going and doing all the things they've always done. But on the inside, you know, it's what Jesus said. These people, I think he's quoting Isaiah, these people honor me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. And you see, that's what God looks at. He looks at our hearts. Then there's been other people who've taken that even a step further. Or maybe this is what they've done. They've, they've had a relationship with the Lord, but they've cut off other believers. They begin to live in isolation. They begin to, to break off from the body of Christ. Listen, that's not good. That's error. And that will lead you, whether you believe it or not, in all the faults that we have with the body of Christ... It's God's body. It's, it's God's body. It may not be perfect. It may not be doing everything well. But to disconnect yourself from the body of Christ is not going to serve you well over the long haul. You may get away with it for, for a season, but there will become a season where you will not get away with it. It will begin to hurt you spiritually. And when you're hurt spiritually, the rest of your life's going to be hurt. 
And so that's what this kind of speaks of, is, is being scattered, being disconnected from relationships, being completely dried out, lacking life, lacking passion, lacking anointing, lacking power, lacking vision in the Lord, lacking hope in the Lord. And that's what we find, that's what we see many times in, in the body of Christ. People feel isolated right now, particularly. A lot of people have felt rejected. A lot of people have felt there's no place for me. That all speaks of the valley of the dry bones. And see, God wants to do something. He wants to do something. So he asked Ezekiel a question. Don't you love it when God asks questions? Um, they're really great questions. Most of the time, God, well, he's asking us because he wants us to, to, to see something, to hear something. It says, uh, then in verse 3, it says, Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Can these bones become living people again? That's an amazing question. Put your, yourself in uh, Ezekiel's shoes. It's an amazing question because his nation was destroyed. He was living in another nation far away. And there, at that point, there was no hope for Israel. There was no hope for, for Jerusalem. And God's asking the question, can they live again? Can you become a nation again? Can God do something again? And so that was, that was a really powerful question. Of course, he said, oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Wow, you alone know the answer to that. Um, so what God was trying to do for Ezekiel at that moment, many times when God asks us a question, it's, it's a question of perspective. It's a question to get us to see what we're not seeing. It's a question to get our attention that God is seeing something and God is inviting me to begin to see what he's seeing. And so the question that we could ask ourselves today when we look at the news, when we look at social media, when we hear the president on his nightly briefs, when we hear the reports from our governor and how many people are sick, how many people are getting sick, uh, when we hear economic reports, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? Are we just stuck with that information? See, that, see that's what we got to determine here. Is that all we're hearing and all we're knowing? Because if it is, we're defeated. There is not going to be any hope. There really isn't. Our government is not, government is not great enough to rescue us. They, they can't rescue us. They really can't. The only way we're going to come through this and, and in the future come through much worse things is if God gets us through them. And God wants to begin to, for us to see the hand of the Lord and what the hand of the Lord is doing right now in our nation and what the hand of the Lord is doing right now in our lives, in our finances, in our situations, in our health. See, that's where we've got to begin to shift and put our mind towards those things. And that's why God asks Ezekiel the question, Ezekiel, look. These, this is a defeated army. They're defeated. They've been laying out here in, the, in this, death, this valley of death, and they're dried out. There's no hope for them. They're long gone. You know, their flesh is long gone off of them. But can they live again? And, and in God's heart, they can live again. Yeah. But here's the cool thing about it. God uh, said next to, uh, in verse number 4, then he said to me, 
speak a prophetic message to these bones. Speak a prophetic message to these bones. Oh, well, you know, that's a, a, a great message to preach. That's a great thought to have if, unless you were Ezekiel. Unless you were there facing and looking at these drop bones. All of a sudden, it's not such a, a great thing. Oh, you want me to start talking to these bones, God, and begin to speak a prophetic message to death, to deadness, where there's nothing. Wow, this is pretty powerful. And so he said, uh, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to me. Listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to the, the, the word of the Lord. See, that's what, that's what we've got to get, y'all. We've got to get the word of the Lord. We've got to get away from the word of everybody else. We've got to get back to the word of God. And I'm going to tell you something. More and more important, the written word of God and the spoken word of God becomes more an anchor. It becomes more of an issue for us. And it's going to be a big issue for your children. And it's going to be a real big issue for my grandchildren. And I want them to have that living and breathing in them where they're listening to the word of the Lord. We've got to, we've got to really have this. I mean, and we really need, listen, y'all, there's a lot of prophetic voices out there. Okay? And, this, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. It really is. God has given to the church prophetically in, in the past 20-something years. He has really brought. The problem, though, in my belief, and this is my opinion, I'm hearing a lot of prophetic voices but I'm not hearing a lot of voices from real prophets. I'm hearing a lot of prophetic people acting like they're prophets and speaking as if they're prophets. And they're not. What they may be speaking to is their community. They may be speaking encouragement. And, that, and all that's wonderful, but it's not necessarily what a prophet may say. And we really need to ask the Lord to raise up the voice of the prophets, the real prophets in this nation where, that can really speak... And when they speak, you feel the authority on it, you feel the power on it. And that's going to be really important in the days ahead, is that we really begin to hear those voices that carry weight. Because when, when you sense that weight on them, that's weight in the spirit realm. And not only is it being spoken in the natural, it's something's happening in the spirit realm when those voices speak. And so I want to encourage us, you know, you can hear, listen to a million prophetic words, and it's like, oh, that's great. Wow, good, cool, wow. Yay, God. Yay, God. Thank you for the prophetic. But God, give us some prophets that can really speak and speak the word of the Lord. That's just my, my opinion, and I'm, I'm really not hearing it right now. I'm searching for that voice of a prophet that can speak over our nation right now. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a person in the church world. Or, you know, this functioning from the church world. It could, be a, 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 it could be a businessman, a Christian businessman that loves the Lord, that carries the, the mantle of a prophet that can begin to speak. I think that's going to be really important for us right now. Um, let me go ahead and read a little bit more of this. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I'm going to do something that nobody, I'm going to do something. Oh, you want me to tell them bones that, God, that you're going to do that? Lord, help. If you don't do it, this is going to feel stupid, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it. 
I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And I can promise you that prophecy came true when it, in terms of Israel. It came true. I've been to Israel. I've seen it. They were the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel's time. I went and saw the desert bloom there literally with my own eyes. God has put flesh on Israel. God has put his breath in Israel and his skin. But for us, spiritually, I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as the Lord told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. Wow. Suddenly as I spoke. Now here's the thing. You see, God's looking for people who are willing to cooperate with him. That's what he's looking for right now. He's looking for people who can dial in to what he's saying and doing and begin to cooperate and speak what he's speaking and hear what he's hearing um, and begin to declare that. I love that rattling noise, a rattling. It's, it's powerful. That's what we need to hear in America spiritually. We need to hear the bones begin to rattle. I'll tell you, there's going to, day's going to come, I promise you, when the bones of the body of Christ is going to begin to rattle, God's going to put flesh on them, God's going to put muscle on them, and God's going to put life in those lungs, and the church is going to rise up, and the church is going to begin to declare some things. That's the heart of God. That's what God wants to do. I'm not saying I'm prophesying that. I'm just saying I believe that's what the word of the Lord is for us. And I think it's time for Christians to quit playing political games. We've got to quit trying to keep everybody happy on both sides of the fence. I have some dear friends that I love that privately will tell me things, but then you look at what they put on social media, it's almost opposite because they're afraid they're going to lose their followers if they state what they've told me privately. And I'm just saying like, wow, dude, what is wrong with you? Because in the end, you will lose. You're going to lose your voice. And God wants to give us a voice right now, just like he did with Ezekiel. He wants us to tune into his heart. He wants us to begin to check, check out of the world system, check into the spirit realm, begin to get our information from there, and begin to speak it. And sometimes it's not going to go over with the popular crowd. Let's just face it. But we're not trying to be popular, are we? Are you trying to be popular? Because if you are, you're going to fail. Ask any kid that was real popular in high school what happened. Most did not become popular all through life. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, put down or what I'm trying to do is get us to take a step back and look at our situations. Look at what's happening with us. And begin to be people of faith again. And we need to begin to be people. I love what Marlon and, uh, and, and Luis and what Melissa were doing up here. They were declaring something. They were speaking for something. They weren't playing mamby-pamby Christianity. I mean, they were being aggressive. They were stepping out in what they felt God was showing them. And just like Ezekiel had to do at that moment, Ezekiel had to work with God. He had to agree with God to do this. God was not going to speak it. God was not going to speak it. It's just like we've shared many times in the past about Mar and from Mark 11. Your mountains, which are your trouble, are going to listen to you. They're going to listen to your voice. And you have to begin to speak because things don't shift in the Spirit until the breath of God is released. And we've got the Holy Spirit in us to release that breath. 
And I believe we're in a time where God is looking for, maybe I've said this already, but I believe we're in a time where God is looking for people that he can promote, meaning he wants to give them a greater anointing. He wants to give them greater spiritual authority. He wants to use them miraculously. And that can be in any realm. I don't want to just stick it to the church realm where what you do in the church is awesome and wonderful and powerful, but then you go out in the world and it's crum- your, your life's crummy. You can be a very powerful person. In fact, that's what most of us are. Most of us are out there working. And God wants to give you authority where you're working. He wants to give you power where you're working. He wants to give you solutions to problems in your workplace. He really does. He wants to tell you things, how to do things that maybe nobody else could figure out. There's solutions in heaven that God wants to download to, the, to the, his people. He wants, I do believe, I do believe this with all my heart. I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, I've been a worshiper for 40-something years. I have loved worshiping the Lord, but I haven't loved Christian music. I do think God wants to release something to the body of Christ in the terms of worship, in the terms of songs. I believe there's a sound from heaven. I know that sounds kind of old, you know, like you know, a new sound. I don't know if it's a new sound. It's probably an ancient sound. But I do believe there's stuff that God wants to give Christian musicians and worship people that he downloads into them and they release it out to the church because if it's, it, it, that's the way God works. He wants to give pe- preachers revelation to preach that will shift atmospheres. And so we're in this time and we have to become like an Ezekiel where it says the hand of the Lord came on me in the worst of situations. In the absolute defeated feeling situation, the hand of the Lord came on him and he responded. He responded to the hand of the Lord. Listen, you probably don't feel like you, you may feel, I don't feel worthy of this. I don't feel like God can do this. Go back to Ezekiel's daddy. Shame, disappointment. You can do this. That's what this whole thing's about. You can do this. You can be free from your shame. You can be free. You're a son. You're a daughter. God wants to use you. God wants to use your mouth. He wants to use your breath. His breath and your breath together to speak and declare things. And that's what he did. And he said, you know, uh, I will put breath in you. You will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So So I spoke this message just as he told me. I just did what he said. And God did something. I just simply did what he said. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies. But they still had no breath in them. Isn't that like a lot of Christians? We're walking around like flesh, yeah, yeah. But we're, we don't have that breath flowing in us. I want to tell you something. you got the breath in you. It's just not being released. And when you begin to release that breath, the breath of God, Jesus Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you begin to release that. Ask God to show you how to do it. Ask Him to show Him what, what He's doing, what He's saying. Ask Him, get solutions, get you know, situations square away, speak into lives. It's, it can happen. Uh, let me see. I keep getting lost here. Oh, yeah. Verse 9. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. To the winds. That's the Holy Ghost. Let's bring the Holy Ghost wind into our nation. 
speak a prophetic message. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. No, not just natural wind. Come, O breath of God on our nation. Come, O breath of God on these poor people who are starving who are hurting. Come, O breath of God, over the economy of America. Come, O breath of God, over the COVID-19. Not only in America, but all the nations. Blow it out, Lord. Blow it back into hell where it came from. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Okay, verse 9, right? Mm -hmm. I'm fixing to be done. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into the bodies then all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. All a great army. Thank God, a great army. You know what God maybe want to do is reform us, just like he did there. He reformed an army. He reformed them. He brought them back together. We might be living in the greatest reformation ever, and we don't even know it. I'm just saying, Lord, when all this ends and we come back meeting together as a church, what do we need to be? Do we need to be different? Do we need to look different? Do we need to be reformed? Does my personal life need to be reformed? Those are questions that I'm asking God. I really believe he does want to do some reformation in all of us. So I want to pray. I'm going to end. God bless you. Thank you for listening. I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to, you know, I just know some of you, you're beautiful, you're powerful people. You're powerful people. You've got the breath of God in you. Begin to speak it. Begin to speak it to the dead bones. Begin to speak it. Begin to declare it over your children. If, they're, if your children are fall, have fallen away from the Lord or they're not following the Lord or are in trouble, begin to speak the word of the Lord over them. You don't have to fuss at them. With them. They don't even have to know you're speaking it. You, you can speak it in secret. It, God can do something. But begin to speak it. Begin to speak it. So I just pray, Father, right now for every person hearing this, I pray the breath of God would come on them. I pray the Holy Ghost would take hold of them like like he did Ezekiel. Take hold of us, God. Get a hold of us and take us into the Spirit. Show us what you're doing. Tell us what to do. And tell us how to speak, Lord. We're asking you that in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to have Becky come out here and end this. I just felt something really powerful in that word solutions. Um, And I just feel like I want to release it. I feel like the Lord wants to release solutions right out of heaven for every situation we're facing. So I just feel that for our nation, for us personally, for our families, our jobs, our lack of money, whatever it is we're facing. Lord, I feel like you're saying right now solutions right out of heaven. And we release it. We decree it. We declare it for our nation, for every situation, Lord. And we believe you for it. And, Lord, we say we believe what you've ministered to us today in this message. And we're going to take it, Lord, and receive it into our bosom. Let it go down into us. And, Lord, we just bless the church today. We bless River Life Fellowship and all that concerns us. And we release solutions out of heaven in Jesus' name. We love you. Be blessed. Amen.